The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, welcome to our second and final mini-message here at Community. By mini-message, I mean these two weeks when we're meeting outside and having a regular service down at the sports complex. We have been pre-recording the messages uh, so that we could put them on Facebook Live on Sunday morning. But this is the last time we're going with the mini-no-worship uh, service next week. Full-blown, here we go. We got uh, those cameras coming in that are going to scan the audience and the fog machine and paid advertisers. Put No, we don't have any of that stuff. But we do have a regular worship service that we're excited to begin to live stream for you. So if you cannot be here, please continue to follow us on the live streaming as Facebook goes. Uh, we'll have that, the full service, next week. Ready to go, excited about that. This week, we're ready to go and excited about Acts chapter 18. Last week... Paul and the boys had three stops. They stopped at Thessalonica and at Berea and at Athens. This week, one stop wonder, we are just going to the town of Corinth. Now, I need to tell you a couple things about Corinth before we get into the story. Corinth uh, was, first of all, geographically, it was right in the middle of Greece. In fact, very much in the middle. Greece has like, its peninsula has two sections. The lower peninsula, peninsula, Peloponnesus, uh, is connected to the main part of Greece by a little isthmus, okay? Now, that isthmus is about three and a half miles across. That is where the city of about 200,000 people of Corinth is located. A beautiful city, a very much the crossroads of the world because it's the north and south pipeline through Greece. It is also an east and west connection there on this, this little isthmus. Today, there is a canal. Back then, you'd, it was a pretty tough trip across there. Uh, and most of the time, they'd have to sail all the way around Greece to get to the other side. But Greece was known for a few things. It was known for bronze. It was known for architecture. Um, it was known for sports. But it was probably, I don't know if I should use the word best known, maybe worst known, but most known for the fact that it was a very immoral city. Uh, even in the Greek plays back then, whenever they portrayed somebody from Corinth, uh, they would make the guy drunk or they would make a lady a prostitute uh, because uh, this was an immoral city. I would go into the details of it were there, uh, or a little bit more to give you an idea. Uh, were there not kids that might be listening? Because it was pretty graphic how wicked this city of Corinth was. So when the Apostle Paul shows up to minister, it stands to reason that he's having a rough time. Now, first of all, it stands to reason he's having a rough time because he's been chased and beaten. Uh, he is now pretty much alone. We think that Luke was with him, but his other companion had, had, had uh, stayed behind at some other places. Um, he is um, you know, just discouraged. He's been at it for a long time. He's unhealthy at this point. And we don't really even have to speculate, though, because he wrote to the Corinthians in his letters to them, and he told them, when I was with you, I was sick, I was discouraged, I was having a hard time, I had almost been killed. So we know that this was a low point in Paul's life. So as we explore this, I want to see some of the things that God did to help him through a low point. Because maybe, just maybe, some of us are struggling with some low points in our life right now. You know, as we think about the year 2020, I was, I was thinking about this, and uh, I was envisioning a day 30 years from now, okay? Can you imagine it? 30 years from now, I'm 90, 
I don't really think I even want to live that long. <laughs> the way my hips are right now, I think by then they'll be completely calcified. Uh, but anyway, let's pretend I live to be 90. I'm sitting there. My great-grandson is sitting with me. His, his name is Farquhar. He's, I don't know, about seven, eight years old. He's sitting with me, and I start to tell him the story of 2020. Oh, Farky, that was a rough year, buddy. Uh, the year of 2020, you just be glad you weren't around then, buddy. It was really tough. And he says, really? He says, tell me about it. And I said, well, first of all, there was this sickness that was going around. And uh, he said, oh, I've, I've read about those at school, like the Black Plague, like uh, a third of the people died or half the people died. I say, well, no, no, not a third or a half, maybe a third or a half a percentage. I, but, uh, but, but it was, you know, it was scary. And he said, oh, well, that's, uh, and I said, oh, well, yeah, but also there was financial, there was financial trouble. And he said, oh, okay, like the Great Depression. I, I read about that at school. And, and I say, uh, well, no, not exactly. Like everybody was broke, and no, well, and some people were actually doing better than they were before, and a lot of people are just living off the government now and having a good time. And I realize all this could change, but as of today, uh, that's kind of the situation. So I'm trying to describe to him, you know, just how, why this is such a hard year, you know. So I say, uh, well, I uh, couldn't go to movies for, for months or sporting events. We didn't have any. It was really hard. And I had to be at home a lot with your great grand. <laughs> anyway, I, it was just, you know, well, how, do you, how do you tell them, hey, that was a rough time in 2020. It's almost just, it's hard to explain, isn't it? Now, I'm not minimizing that we've had a rough time. What I'm saying is it's weird. It's, it's actually hard to figure this out. I had a lady come by church this, this week, and she was talking to me, and she said, I said, how's it going? She said, oh, it's just all weird. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that describes it, isn't it? It is just kind of strange. But as we face a difficult time, let's take a look into the book of Corinthians uh, and chapter 18. I'm sorry, the book of Acts, when Paul was visiting Corinth in chapter 18 and find out some of the things that God did to encourage him through a difficult time. First of all, uh, he's left Athens now. He's in Corinth. It says in verse number 2, He found a Jew named Aquila, native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. So these two had been in Rome, but there was an uprising up there. We won't go into the detail on that. And he's kicked out. Uh, Claudius had commanded them all to leave Rome. And uh, so Paul went to see them because they were the same trade. He had stayed with them and, uh, and worked with them for they were tent makers by trade. Paul had a trade uh, that he had probably learned from a youth that he could work with leather. And he's practicing it here. Paul was very uh, recognizing of the fact that uh, he didn't want people to think he was in the gospel ministry to get wealthy. And there were times when he would just work to make sure that people would not think that. And he reasoned, so he's working as a tent maker, but he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived, again, they had stayed behind, Paul was occupied with the word. Now, it is believed here that they came with an offering. He wrote about that later. Uh, so he had some money that he could live on. He no longer had to work the leather business. Uh, so Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed him and reviled him, he shook off his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there. And he went to the house of the man named Titius Justice a worshiper of God and his house was next to the synagogue Crispus the ruler of the synagogue believed in the Lord Paul talked about him in his letter to Corinth and said that he had baptized him uh, together with his entire household and many by the way that's a theme we talked about a couple weeks ago 
A person gets saved, he gets baptized, his whole house gets saved. Pretty awesome. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and they were baptized. Now, we could focus on the message that he's preaching. We, we did that uh, quite a bit last week. What I want us to really look at is the things that God is using to bring Paul out of a low point in his life. One of the things is this, companionship. Paul is there by himself. I thought it was kind of interesting this morning. Now, I'm recording this on July 2nd. But this morning, I saw posted on our our Facebook page, Marissa put on there this thing that said, I can, just a little note from God. And it said, I can see what you're going through. You are not alone. I thought, how awesome. God wants us to know that we are not alone, that he is there with us. But God goes beyond that. And when we face times of hardship, God always also sends people into our lives. In the case of Paul, he sent in Aquila and Priscilla. He sent his friends down from Macedonia to join him with uh, Silas and Timothy. He has Crispus and others joining the church and getting saved. And now he has some companionship. You see, life has created a perfect storm right now for loneliness. Whether it is because of the COVID or it is because of conflict with friends and different people, uh, many find themselves in isolation. Uh, Many are finding themselves alone. And I want to just tell you that God wants to bring people in your life to encourage and to lift you up. Uh, This is, again, the second week in a row I went, this is an old preacher story. I guess I am an old preacher. But... uh, the story that is told of the guy that uh, during a flood, he's climbed up to his roof and he's saying, Dear God, please save me. And a boat comes by and says, Hey, come on, get in. He says, No, I've asked the Lord to save me. A little while later, another boat comes by and says, Hey, come on, get in. And he says, No, no, that's all right. I'm praying to the Lord. He'll save me. A little bit later, things are getting desperate. A helicopter comes, yells down, Hey, come on, grab the rope. Uh, get on. We'll save you. And he says, No, that's okay. I've asked the Lord to save me. Well, the guy drowns. <laughs> Gets to heaven and says, God, why didn't you save me? God said, I sent two boats and a helicopter. What do you want? Uh, But when God sends people into our lives, I think it is very important that we be open uh, to that, that we understand that indeed we do need people. Now, I know know there are some of you, and sometimes my mind goes here too, I don't need people. I'm okay. I'm better off by myself. I really don't need people. I am going to say to you, you're wrong. I believe the Bible teaches something totally different, that God designed us, that we are to operate uh, you know, together in following Him and serving Him. And, and, and in this life, God brings people into our life. And in this case, Paul had been isolated. Uh, he was going through a hard time. And uh, God said, I'm sending some people in to help this man out. Now, I, I want to be very careful here because I honestly, at this time in our lives, I am not preaching to anybody and saying, hey, you have got to get yourself back to church right away. I can say that I think the the absence of church in people's lives in many situations that I have seen has not been a good thing. But I am not the authority on how to deal with disease and how to deal with anything really in that regard. So please understand, I talked last week about the importance of us thinking for ourselves and following God on our own. Please don't think that I am in any way saying, hey, You need to get yourself back to church and right away. I'm not saying that at all. What I can say without any apology, we need people. We need other people in our lives. We need other believers in our lives. And in this case, God says to uh, Paul, hey, here you go. I'm going to help you out here, buddy. Uh, You're discouraged. You're down. But I have some companionship. I have some people. And jump down a little ways here. Verse number nine. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid. 
but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack or harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. And he stayed there a year and six months, 18 months, the longest he's been anywhere so far, teaching the word of God among them. The second thing that God gave him, we'll say, was encouragement. Now, with the first word, uh, time I said uh, companionship, I could have said people. Uh, this time for encouragement, I could say uh, instead, I, I could have said that uh, God is sending in his promises. And God gives him a promise, and he says, hey, I am with you. This Bad things are not going to happen to you. At this time, I am going to take care of you. That promise is there. And the second thing that we often need to pull us up is the promises of Almighty God. We need to cling to those, His truths, His promises in our lives. Now, you know, the whole uh, Internet thing and Facebook really is kind of funny. You know, there's, there were often times five years ago when you heard every preacher railing against Facebook. Now, I'll go three months ago and every preacher saying, join us for Facebook Live. Uh, to be sure, the Internet and everything with technology has its good and its bad. It makes evil more easily accessible, but it also makes good more easily accessible. And I wanted to emphasize that to you for a moment because we need the promises of God. And today, quite frankly, they're pretty easy to get. Now, back in the day, I brought up my Strong's Concordance. Some of you may remember this baby. Every word in the Bible is listed in every verse that it's in. So you look up the word. So if I wanted to find some promises about something, I'd have to look up that word. The writing is so small in here that even before I went blind, I could not read it. Uh, you know, you had to have a magnifying glass. But I had to look up all these verses and everything. You know what I need to do now? I need to say, Siri, I need some encouraging verses. I need some verses that will help me with this situation. And, it, it's, and it, you know, pretty soon you have a list of 27 different verses and promises of God. Siri, I need some promises of God about this. And I want to encourage you to dig uh, after those. Go looking for them and cling to them. This might be a great time if you don't do this. This might be a great time to get yourself a calendar that has a verse on it every day that you look to and you hold on to that promise or make yourself uh, a calendar that has a verse on it every day that you want to look to and cling to the promises of God. God sends into Paul, a discouraged Paul, Paul going through hard times life. He sends people and he sends promises but there is a third thing that will help bring him out of the difficulty he's in. This is a story of something kind of interesting that happened here in Corinth. It says that now when Galileo was council of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. What happened is they got a new government official. And the Jews thought, new guy, first thing we need to do is tell him about this Paul. We need to get him in trouble. Again, this is the group of Jews that were the enemies of Paul. Uh, obviously, not all of them. Uh, but they come and they say, hey, buddy, this Paul is causing trouble. So what happens? When Paul was about to open his mouth, Paul didn't even have to give a defense. Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and about your law, see to it yourself. I refuse to be the judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. Now let, me, let me explain. They're trying to get Paul. 
okay? Uh, they, uh, you know, we've got a new leader. Let's tell them about them. Let's get them. Their plan dramatically backfires because he basically says, come on, guys, this is your problem. You deal with it. And who ends up getting beaten? The ruler of the synagogue, which a side note, but I th believe he gets saved later too. We'll find that in Scripture. But he's the one who ends up getting beating. beaten. The whole thing backfires on them. So I want us to remember that not only is God going to use people in our lives, not only is God going to use uh, whatever the second thing was, his promises in our life, but he is also, uh, we can find great encouragement from just the fact that of God's providence or that God is large and in charge. And can we remember through this story that God is in charge, listen, God is in charge of who is in charge. I was talking to a young lady, it's a, a friend of mine, uh, actually last Saturday, and uh, I won't tell you who, what politician we were talking about, but the conversation was not super positive. Now, can we just agree, especially those of you in Michigan, and she was from Michigan, uh, that uh, either we probably have some less than fond thoughts about the governor or the president. Now, let, let's just be honest. I mean, there's probably one that we kind of like the direction and one that we don't, and it, it's going to be different depending on who you're talking to. I don't want to even tell you who we were talking about, uh, but, the, the, but in the middle of this conversation, when it started to go negative towards a politician, she says, and she's a real sweetheart, and she says, well, you know, sorry, I shouldn't make fun of people with that weird little voice, but she says, isn't it true that God is in charge of who's uh, in authority? And I so much wanted to slap her uh, because it was such a rebuke to me. And, you know, just again to realize that what she said is absolutely true. God is in charge. And, you know, sometimes we look and we say, hey, well, but wait a minute. And uh, this one kind of got past God. <laughs> Did you ever think that? Yeah, he's in charge. But I think maybe this one slipped by. You know, God didn't, didn't know about the vote count in that precinct or something. Something went wrong here. But when you look at Old Testament, and you see some of the different people that God put in charge. And how God used all types of different people, good and bad. And when you look throughout the New Testament, I mean, honestly, Rome was a first class mess. The leaders, I mean, you study history, they were whack jobs over and over again. I mean, sometimes we look and we say, oh, this is the worst it's ever been. You might want to read the history of Rome. They, they had some real whack jobs going there. God had never lost control of who was in charge. So if we can just get that as we think about this uh, for encouragement, God still has it, okay? He still has us. He still knows who's in charge. And also just remember with this too that God is always, I, I didn't really know how else to say this, but it's kind of weird, but hopefully it gives us the picture. God is always working behind the scenes, um, in the story of Joseph, you know, Joseph's brothers plotted something and God took it and used it for good. God is working behind the scenes. In the story in the book of Esther, there's uh, a man by the name of Haman who is plotting the demise of a guy named Mordecai. And uh, he has this whole thing uh, in, in mind just to destroy Mordecai. And everything ends up backfiring and being turned. And God comes to Mordecai, Mordecai's defense. And he takes everything and he turns it around as God works behind the scenes. And definitely in this story, the, the Jews that hate Paul have in mind that this is their chance. They're going to get him. And God takes it and totally turns it around on them. If we can remember that our God is still large and in charge. He's in control. Father, 
Um, I know from the time I'm talking right now, it's probably at least 10 days uh, till anybody's hearing this, so I have no idea who that's going to be. This is kind of weird, Lord. I, I don't know. But you know, and, uh, and you have orchestrated that. You have them listening. So, Father, I would pray, or I just pray, that there would be those who remember you don't want them alone right now. And you'll send people to them. Lord, help them to lean on you for that. Help them to look for those people uh, you want in their lives, Lord, that nobody is battling uh, life right now in isolation. And, Lord, I do pray, too, just that you would convict people now to grab onto your promises. And, Lord, would you remind us all that in everything, you're, you got this. You're still in control. You're working behind the scenes, and when we have no idea what's happening, you know exactly what's happening, what has happened, and what's going to happen. And you're perfect in all that you do. Lord, may we trust he who is perfect in all his ways. For it's in the powerful name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.